I'm Ted Britton with Raptor B Foreman Ranch in Palestine, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, USDA released its latest monthly cattle on feed report, and it looks a bit friendly for the cattle market. In fact, cattle on feed numbers have come down for the first time in a long time. We'll have more on the report coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas High Plains Congressman Ronnie Jackson is looking forward to working on the next farm bill. I'm James Hunt and coming up on Texas Ag Today, you'll hear what the congressman has to say on ag-related legislation. Pastures in Bell County of Central Texas are so dry and burned up from the drought that one rancher says golf could be played on some of those pastures. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have his comments on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is starting to, well, feel a little fall as daytime highs are starting to fall back some. The citrus harvest is here. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The latest cattle on feed report was a bit friendly to the cattle market, showing less cattle on feed, lower placements, and higher marketings. Oklahoma State University livestock economist Daryl Peel looks at the numbers. The October uh, USDA cattle on feed report, of course, covers uh, placements and marketings in September. Placements in the month of September were 96.2% of last year. Marketings in September were 104% of last year. And both of those were ex- just about exactly as pre-report expectations. So the on-feed total as of October 1st is now down a little bit, 99.1% of where we were this time last year. And that's the first time in a while that we've seen on-feed numbers actually go down. It is. You know, we've been setting new records on a month-by-month basis here, you know, really all year. We've been expecting this to finally turn. Obviously, the drought has played into this in terms of moving cattle forward, and we've maintained these placements longer than than I would have expected, at least on the face of it. But the drought's gotten more severe than we expected. And so now I think we probably have reached the point where we're starting to turn the corner. We should see these numbers, you know, really tighten up here in the coming months. As herd liquidation slows and placements slow along with it. Robotic milking systems have made their way to Texas. I recently toured three robotic dairies all within 10 miles of each other in Archer County, south of Wichita Falls. Adam Wolf is a fourth-generation dairyman in that county, and he built his new robotic dairy in 2020. 
He says there are several reasons why he did it. Well, there's many factors, but the main factor is really to maximize the gen- genetic potential of the cows. Having the cows have the access to be milked as many times as they want to in one day really increases milk yield. So a cow can be milked from two to six times a day. It's solely based on her personal preference. The system provides both labor savings and flexibility. It provides flexibility in my everyday work schedule. I can go coach my son's baseball team during the middle of the day, and but still, there's still the same amount of work as in, at other dairies. It's just the flexibility it provides is what, what I kind of the reason why I went this route. But Wolf says the big advantage is in all of the data that's provided on each cow giving him the ability to maximize milk production on a per-cow basis. Production compared to my old facility has increased about 16 pounds a cow per day. There are only five robotic dairies in the entire state of Texas. A Texas congressman is planning to join the Agriculture Committee in the next Congress. James Hunt tells us Congressman Ronnie Jackson is looking forward to working on the 2023 Farm Bill. Looking ahead to the next Congress, 13th District Congressman Ronnie Jackson expects his party, the Republicans, to be running things in the House again. And for himself, Jackson expects to be serving on the Ag Committee. Jackson's looking forward to working on writing the new farm bill, but he's unhappy with where things currently stand. I was talking to G.T. Thompson, who's the ranking member on Ag right now, who's going to be the chair. And he was telling me that five years ago, this time five years ago, when they worked on the last farm bill, that they had probably already had about 150 hearings and listening sessions related to developing the farm bill already at this point. We've had about 15 total. The Dems have had about 15 hearings and listening sessions, and most of them have been inconsequential. They've been about stuff that really doesn't impact, uh, you know, the things that people up here in the 13th Congressional District care about. So we're way behind. So when we get back, when we get the House back in January, we have a lot of work to do. As Jackson contemplates the next farm bill, he says producers need good disaster relief programs and help with input cost inflation, and special legislation ahead of the farm bill is possible. We always want to hope that the farm bill is going to cover everything that is going to happen to our producers. When we find those years when we have to have ad hoc funding because of disasters, are we going to need one of those for this 2022 experience in this area? You know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, one of the things I did when I first got into Congress, as you know, we proposed the Restore Act, which is a reauthorization of the WIP Plus for 2020 and 2021, which was initially uh, a 2018-2019 program. But we reauthorized that specifically for that reason, because there was a need for it. And I think, like you said, there's going to continue to be years where there's a need. And I think this year's looking to me like, from what I've heard from the farmers that I've been talking to, maybe a year that we need to go back and do something like that and, and put something in place like that. Jackson met with local Texas Farm Bureau leaders in Amarillo this week. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Central Texas got some good rainfall over the past week, but Tom Nicoletti says much more is needed there. For today's program, we go to Bell County, where we catch up with Bell County uh, farmer and uh, rancher Robert Fleming, who is working cattle today. And Robert, uh, you, uh, just like many farmers across the region and in Texas, are still well below on rainfall. The temperatures certainly have decreased here in the autumn months, but how low are you on rain and what is your situation for water? Well, Tom, I appreciate you catching up with me today. 
Our average rainfall for here at Bell County is about 32 to 34 inches. And as of today, we're sitting about 12 to 14 inches. It just depends on what part of the county you're in. So we're way below 50% of normal rainfall. Temperatures have helped, and we caught anywhere from four-tenths to a little over an inch of rain here this last rain we had two nights ago. So it was very welcome. These to help settle the dust in these cow pens. That's our main concern. It's a head-scratching kind of year, Tom. With this drought and, and the inflation and high interest rates and high equipment, prices. What are the grazing conditions right now there in Bell County for your cattle as you uh, move forward here in October? All the pastures here are beat up. I mean, it looks like you could play golf on them. There's not a pasture here, one that's pretty or everything. It's pretty much burned up. What got us all is the high temperatures. We had a way over 60 days of consecutive 100-degree days, and that's what really just fried our pastures. They, they, they look poor. Water conditions are even worse. I think a lot of people are going to run out of water before they run out of hay. So what about those stock tanks? At what level are they right now? Tom, they're anywhere from dry to, to 20 to 30 percent and very boggy. If mud, for instance, you know, that, that we've had to drag some cows out of some ponds and take a front end loader and we've made a little ramp down where they get a little better water. That is Central Texas farmer and rancher Robert Fleming from Bell County. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Fall is finally arriving in deep south Texas. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Well, the temperatures are starting to fall back a little bit across extreme south Texas. Morning lows have been in the low 60s, and the daytime highs, well, upper 80s. And we're still dry, and the reservoirs, well, they've been gaining water, but now are starting to level off some. Falcon Reservoir is 15.7% full. They were under 10% just about mm, 60 days ago. Amistad, a little better, 44.6% full, and uh, that's up about 4% in the last 30 days. We still need, though, a lot more inflows into the reservoir system. Well, the citrus harvest has started with the early oranges. The juice plant is also kicking off its new season. And already the tanker trucks from the Indian River area of Florida are headed to the valley to pick up our orange juice concentrate. Growers in Florida are facing a tough year ahead. The devastation caused by Hurricane Ian and then the shrink Florida citrus acreage is not planning a very pretty picture for many of the Florida growers. Well, the harvest of sugarcane now less than 30 days away, and the crop looks good as we're heading into harvest. Planting of spring sweet onions, that's here. We have planting of uh, winter greens and carrots, cabbage also going on at the present time. Now, what the valley needs right now, a good soaking rain and some cooler weather to help break the color of our citrus. That'll come natural. Much of South Texas remains under burn bans and looks like will for some time. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. The statewide quail hunting season opens on Saturday. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And nutritional management of fall calving cows is different from spring calving cows. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, 
We're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Nutritional management of fall calving cows is different from spring calving cows. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the differences. Drovers.com reports that peak energy and peak protein requirements occur one to three months after the calf is born due to lactation. For spring calving cows, the calving season is typically aligned with increased energy and protein with the pastures greening up. However, fall calving cows do not always have enough pasture to meet energy and protein requirements. Cool season forages, such as fescue, grows in the fall and when the temperatures cool down and can meet the requirements of cows nursing calves. However, warm season grasses are very slow growing as temperatures decrease and become dormant with a lower nutritive value. Stockpile Bermuda grass or native grass with protein supplementation is usually required to meet the needs of these fall calving cows. Planting cool season annual forages can easily meet the requirements of lactating beef cattle and can be used to supplement the warm season grasses if you get a rain to get them to grow. Fall calving cows have the advantage of calving in a dry and cool climate, so they don't have the stress of cold and wet conditions at calving. Also, fall calving cows usually come through the summer in good body condition as they are not nursing a calf, and this allows them to get bred back quickly. One disadvantage nutritionally is that the energy requirement is much greater than the protein requirement and energy is expensive to provide. For example, corn stalks can readily meet the nutritional requirements for spring calving cows, but likely will not for the fall calving cows as they don't have the spring grass as a supplement. Most fall calving cows require supplementation of protein and energy. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Quail season opens statewide on Saturday. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The statewide quail hunting season officially opens Saturday, and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is forecasting below average conditions for much of the state due to drought. John McLaughlin, TPWD's Upland Game Bird Program leader, explains. We really depend on rainfall to grow grasses, forbs, or flowering plants, which are all critical parts of the quail's life cycle. So the grasses serve as nesting substrates for those birds. Those forbs or weeds, flowering plants, provide a forage resource. So we don't have good rainfall. We, we lose those resources, and bobwhites aren't able to reproduce. And when they aren't able to reproduce and grow their populations consecutively over multiple years, that's why we sometimes see those crashes. Unfortunately, it's a combination of needing good habitat, which is dependent on good rainfall, and then we also need good nesting, good reproduction of those birds to grow that population. And as most people know, bobwhites and scale quail are very dependent on annual reproduction. So there's not much carryover from year to year like you might see with a larger game bird species like turkey or grouse. They really require everything to go right in an annual period to grow that population. There are a few bright spots where hunters may see more quail. McLaughlin says the South Texas Plains was the only area of the state to see an increase in bobwhite quail this year. The area around Bee, McMullen, Duval, and Live Oak counties is expected to provide the best hunting opportunities. 
The northeastern panhandle along the Canadian River watershed is also expected to have good conditions. For hunters who prefer scaled or blue quail, McLaughlin says there has been an increase in those in the Trans-Pecos. Quail hunting season opens Saturday and runs through February 26th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's been a good week so far for the cattle market, so how did things wrap up in Thursday's trade? Jessica will be back with a complete look at Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.COM. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded lower for much of the day Thursday as traders were a bit more cautious. October live cattle down 5 cents to 151.40. December live cattle down 15 cents to 153.42. February live cattle down 17 cents to 156.85. October feeder cattle were down 45 cents to 175.97. November feeder cattle down 70 cents to 178.12. January feeder cattle were down 80 cents to 180.45. Box beef was higher Thursday. Choice up 48 cents to 261.34. Select up $3.02 to $231.62. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest today is Benny Cox. They sell sheep and goats in San Angelo on Tuesday. Benny, how did it go in San Angelo? Well, we got along real good. This will be the third week. We've had just a little over 4,000. That's certainly helping some. Um, I think another thing that's involved is, you know, a bunch of these western and northern lambs uh, have been so cheap. A bunch of our big handlers down here have been, you know, getting products from up there. And, and I think it's had, I don't think, I'm certain it's had some kind of influence on our market. But then these reduction in numbers, yesterday we saw a big a big increase in, in the value of these things. Uh, compared to the week before, we didn't sell many wool lambs that were, you know, marked and all that stuff. But the ones that we did see, heck, they had to be twenty, thirty dollars higher. Um, the hair sheep type, they were going to slaughter just as just as much, you know, twenty, thirty higher slaughter use. Uh, they were ten to fifteen higher last week. They were another ten to fifteen higher this week. Uh kid goats sold from fifteen to, to oh as much as twenty five higher. Uh these slaughter nannies, they were higher again too. Uh kind of one ten to one sixty seven, mostly one thirty two to one forty seven, and these slaughter bellies from one seventy all the way up to two fifty. So we're on our way to recovery, I guess you could say. Good. How about the cattle sale? Uh, we're starting off real light this morning. I suspect this will be a pretty light week. We'll have to we'll have to hurry up to get to the thousand. I don't know if we'll get there or not. The weather's really nice though, and, and um, 
and people, you know, this is kind of the last week for them to push to get all the, their work done out in the pasture. So they may kind of perk up and go out there and get some of those, you know, deer hunt deals big down here. And it'll start uh, not this weekend, but the next. So. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Benny Cox. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producers and Cargyle. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs were lower Thursday despite a positive export report from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Analysts say futures are overbought. December lean hogs down $3.37 to 85.12. February lean hogs down $2.85 to 88.15. Block cheese was down 3.75 cents Thursday to $1.96. Barrels fell 5.5 cents to $1.92. October class 3 milk rose a nickel to $21.83 a hundredweight. November class 3 milk rose 3 cents to $20.50 a hundredweight. Cotton was sharply lower Thursday on poor sales and exports. December cotton down 271 points to 75.11. March cotton down 257 points to 74.81. December 2023 cotton down 142 points to 71.63. Corn fell on Thursday on a disappointing sales export report from USDA. December corn down two and three quarters to 6.82 and a quarter. March corn down two and three quarters to 687 and three quarters. September 2023 corn down two and a quarter to 635 even. December hard red wheat down eight and a half to 932 and a quarter. March hard red wheat down eight and three quarters to 931 and three quarters. July hard red wheat down seven to 924 and three quarters. November soybeans rose a half Thursday to 1382 and a quarter. November natural gas down 16 cents to 5.43. December natural gas down 22 cents to 5.89. Crude oil rose over a dollar a barrel Thursday on increasing U.S. oil exports, diminished recession fears, and strong demand. That's according to Reuters. December crude oil up a dollar two to 88.93. January crude oil up a dollar one to 87.69. The Dow rose 265 points Thursday to 32,104. The S&P 500 declined 18 points to 3,811. And the Nasdaq fell 172 points to 10,798. Well, that wraps up this look at our markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domol, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.